Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined as usual by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It's Thursday, a couple days before Notre Dame takes on UNLV. The Irish have moved up to a 26.5-point favorite over UNLV. I would imagine that that is a reflection of the injury situation for UNLV. This is a very athletic team. They do have talent. Marcus Freeman mentioned today Aiden Robbins, the running back, who uh, is Audric Estime-like, except for his pad level, which is too high. But anyway, he's a transfer from Louisville, and he's a power back. They have quarterback Doug Brumfield, who is a very talented player as well, but they're banged up. And so we're going to find out here very soon whether Nordane will see the the best version of UNLV or the one that has been outscored 82 to 14 in the last two weeks. And most of that blowout loss period the last two weeks for without Brumfield uh, concussion protocol, I don't think he necessarily would have made up the 82 to 14 differential, but obviously <laughs> they're, a, they're obviously a much different team without their best weapon in there. And when you're UNLV and you lose your quarterback that does everything for you, it hurts a little more than other programs. So just interestingly enough, you know, we always think, oh, UNLV, this is their, this is their season. This is it. Playing Notre Dame is their season. Well, we're hearing that maybe they'll keep him out of the game so they can win a couple more games, become bowl eligible yeah. and contend in the mountain West instead. Yeah. I mean, UNLV has been like kind of, it was a low key kind of interesting story early yeah. in the season. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, that's a program just with nothing going for it. And then you're sitting there thinking like, okay, well maybe this isn't New Mexico. Maybe this isn't um, Bowling Green, but um, Without Brumfield, they I think return to the New Mexico Bowling Green category of Notre Dame opponents. So it's um, yeah, I, I think Marcus Arroyo has done a, a good job there, getting something going at a at a place where it's hard to have anything going for you. Yeah, they they start out four and one. I believe that was the first time since two thousand eight. They won they won, the four wins was they they had two in the previous two years with Marcus uh, Arroyo in the uh, Marcus Bowl game that will be coming up this weekend, but without Brumfield, um, you know, they do have, they've got a bunch of athletes. I mean, they've got athletes, a receiver, they've got, they have athletes on the defensive side, speaking of the injuries, Adam plant jr. Who I think is their best defensive lineman. They do have a couple good defensive linemen. Elijah Shelton is a Utah transfer on uh, the defensive tackle that Marcus Freeman uh, acknowledged today, but man, without those frontline guys, it's a little bit more difficult, uh, a lot more difficult for them. And hey, we had an opportunity yesterday uh, once again to speak with Tommy Reese and El Golden, the players that we spoke spoke to offensively, um, offensively Diggs, Logan Diggs, and Tobias Merriweather, and defensively Gabe Rubio, and um, and Nano Safa Mensa, who I found to be very interesting. Have we ever talked to him before? I know that's the first time that I have. I don't think so. And he was, he I thought I thought he was a great interview. Um, you know, as far as teammate driven first, he does intend to come back for another year next year. Um, anyway, he was one of the guys I found more interesting. Just from you guys, what do you what do you think? Uh, what did you glean from yesterday's interviews? 
we said on the way out, Pete came up to me and he said, have you found two freshman corners and wide receivers more interesting to talk to than Benjamin Morrison and Tobias Merriweather? My only answer was Julian Love. And if you can add another person to it, then he would be in there. But boy, Merriweather was fun. Uh, he likes the hash. He, he, well, he, he played it off a little. He had heard of the hashtag free Tobias. <laughs> uh, he was, now he, he was, seems like a very grounded football player knowing that he I mean I'm sure he was coached on it but he's like you know what what happens if I go in there and I drop that ball or I don't run that route that's why we rep enough things for me to be able to know and he admitted the first time he went in uh that the 80,000 people in green was a little overwhelming I thought that was an interesting take by him I, I never would have thought about that part of it trying to think of your own job is what I thought but he said he just kind of looked up he's like wow that's a lot of people and that's that's a little different it was and I asked him about the Cal play yeah. um where Pine signals him to come in motion. He doesn't move. Uh, and he's like, and that was my last play of the game. And, you know, I followed up with like, well, do you sort of get it? Like, this is why I'm not playing. And he's like, yeah, it's, there's so many little things that go into it. So I, I found him really engaging, seemed very bright. Uh, somebody that, um, you know, obviously he's very talented, but um, I, I think he will be able to be, if he continues to progress a, a player that Notre Dame would want to put out there a lot, um, the same way that Benjamin Morrison is. Uh, and that's, you got to find those guys in your freshman class. Um, as soon as you find them, that's, they got to hold on to them and develop them. But um, yeah, I think that uh, I think at this point, Tobias probably understands why he didn't play more in the first half of the season. I don't think he would understand why he didn't, <laughs> wouldn't play in the second half of the season. Nor should anyone um, at that point. Nor would I. Um, so that's kind of on Reese to to get that figured out. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I agree with you there. Yeah, Merriweather was definitely very engaging. And uh, we're now five minutes into this, and I buried one of the leads, and that is that Eli Raritan, Notre Dame's freshman tight end, suffered a uh, season-ending ACL injury in practice. I do believe it was yesterday. Um, but anyway, this week. It's the same knee that that he injured playing basketball last year during his senior year of high school. That's a blow. It's not as big of a blow to Notre Dame as uh, as it as it would have been pre the return of Mitchell Evans, but obviously it's not the kind of news you want for Eli Raritan now having suffered that same injury to the the, the knee twice. Uh, he's such a he's such a tremendous talent that you hate for a physical setback like this to really impact his career, but it is now, I mean, it is, it, it did in his preparation in coming to Notre Dame and he, he, re, he rebounded from that incredibly quickly, but now he has to deal with this, but I did want to go back to um, the conversations with Tommy Reese and L golden and what you guys pulled from those, those interviews. I would say that the thing that jumped out to me the most is clearly that there's some, um, edict from Marcus, I would assume that you are going to take all the blame in these interviews and not even throw a minor bit of shade at your players. Um, I thought both the coordinators fell on the sword multiple times. Um, I'm not saying that changes anything moving forward. Um, I think it's more just an observation than a prediction of things turning around, but um, clearly at least publicly, these coaches are willing to, play the part of the adult in the room, which is not always the case everywhere, um, including at Notre Dame sometimes. So uh, that was significant, but that doesn't mean that the offense is going to score 50 points this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it, 
they were saying, put it all on me, put it all on me. It was definitely an edict of, of some type. That that that's fine. Having well, and Golden started last week. You know, I mean, he took yeah. he took a he took it last week. Then then the fourteen points offensively prompted uh, <laughs> prompted Reese to do the yeah. same thing this week. I mean, it's it's probably the way to go too, right? I mean, as I said, you can't be you cannot actually be honest in these things. That's why honest conversations after the fact that are not never published are probably the way to go to to know someone's feelings on these things. But hey, Drew Pine has to be a lot better than he was last game. It caught me by surprise that he was that poor against Stanford. And I don't think Tommy Reese's game plan helped him. Although, boy, the game plan would look better if he hit three of the touchdown passes, right? Yeah. Well. Yes. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it look a little better <laughs> well there's no there's no doubt and and i mean the 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 deep uh, the ball that he missed with Lindsay that that becomes a seven seven tie with like three and a half minutes to go in the first quarter and the entire feel of the rest of the half changes because now you're now you're tied you know you don't end drew up being pine down 13 changes. nothing drew pine changes if he hits that touchdown pass right yeah he probably he game. probably yeah. does and he can't be i mean he can't revert to the kel you know level performance and he you know, it just it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good game for him, and they need better from him. I, it, you know, it, like Drew Pine is your quarterback; he has to maximize every ounce of ability that he has in order for Notre Dame to win games. I mean, maybe maybe I, mean, I guess you look at Stanford and say, well, he shouldn't have to be at his absolute best for them to beat Stanford. But Stanford Stanford played its best game of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about that outside of the Colgate opener. And so, yeah, they have to be that way. I, Tim, I want you to. And I, I did something yesterday that I, you know, I mean, I don't like to do per se, and that is, well, this is the opinion on the outside about so-and-so, but I just felt it was necessary when, when I asked Al Golden about why you can't take, why you can't take uh, J.D. Bertrand off the field. And then it prompted me to think, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this. And it's that, do you, do you realize what the perception is of, of J.D. Bertrand on the outside? And Tim, why don't you take it from there? Because you you uh, you, you took great notice of his reaction to my question and the the following responses. Yeah, he Coach Golden had a shocked, a sh- kind of like not shocked. It was a I don't know what you're talking about look on his face. And then for some reason he looked at me like I was gonna <laughs> be able to provide. Like some you were gonna <laughs> like you work uh, with this guy. Well liked outside, <laughs> and thankfully Eric Hansen stepped in and said the message boards don't seem to like him as much as the coaches, which is our which is the point. I was surprised when before you you brought that topic up that he said he's not just a fast linebacker now he's strong too because before you know or if you ask a lot of people watching it say he's a strong linebacker not fast so the perception of JD Bertrand is polar opposite from the guys that have coached him at Notre Dame the linebackers coaches and the defensive coordinators as it is people angry post game when they see him miss some tackles I think um there's got to be a truth somewhere in between. I would think you could find a way to get J.D. Bertrand off the field once in a while when you have when you had Bo Bauer, Prince Collie coming along. Um, Tui Halamak is probably a bad example because there's no way he knows those checks. But it's I'm not shocked by it, but it was funny that he had absolutely <laughs> no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> he he truly was like, what could be the perception of J.D. Right, Bertrand? Right, I, right. He was so confused. He thought you just meant. I think I'm putting words in his head right here, but I think he was looking at you like, what, the targeting? Is that people are mad at him for targeting or something? Like, that was the one issue I yeah. could think he could come up with. I don't – he's played an adequate amount of football this year. It's not like last year where they sort of 
they did run him into the ground. Yeah. Um, well, he so was already hurt too last year. That's a yeah. And he played with a broken wrist or whatever. A, a, a basically, on pace to play 250 fewer snaps than last year. So, I realize the targeting probably. Yeah, that uh, does a lot yeah. for it though. Okay, so he's on pace to play 200 fewer snaps, which is still like yeah three games. Um, so that's I I think you know Bertrand especially against Stanford made a ton of sense to play um because they weren't stretching you horizontally um you know Dame's linebackers i think have had a hard time playing horizontal spread football stanford didn't play that way and bertrand was great so i don't um i don't know it's the 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 bertrand thing i, I he definitely gets way more shtick from fans than is deserved and way more than other players that is not I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense based on his play versus these, the other players play. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, it, it's my contention. I said this in today's Thursday thoughts that he misses more tackles because he's around the ball so much. He knows where he needs to be. And I think I mentioned on Monday that there was a play where Prince Collie took a, he took a shallow angle to the yeah. ball and it was a 22 yard gain. I did not just, hear you say that or read that part, and I was about to bring it up, so I completely. Okay. I completely okay. So you saw it. So you yes, saw it. Yes. Uh, and and so that's just that's an instance where yeah, I mean clearly Prince Collie has a great future at Notre Dame and is a hell of an athlete. We knew that coming out of high school, but not knowing where to be, that's a missed tackle or a missed opportunity at a tackle. Then that I you know maybe nobody's blaming Collie on the outside for missing that. Now I think. Bertrand gets to, or he's in the vicinity of the football a lot. And so sometimes he's just on the fringe of the play, but he's getting there and diving and missing. Uh, but I also contend that a lot of times because he is around the ball, a lot of the plays that he doesn't make allows others to make. Now that's a little bit of speculation, but we have two coordinators now that do not want to take him off the field, even when his left wrist needs surgery over a 13 game span. Um, I think it's so worth pointing out unless, unless we turn this into the JD Bertrand segment, it's worth pointing out some fans are not mad that JD Bertrand plays over other players. They're mad that JD Bertrand has to play over other players, or there are not better players in Notre Dame system at linebacker. I think that people don't want, people want Georgia's linebackers at Notre Dame and Alabama's linebackers is the yeah. fastest way for me to say it without sounding ridiculous it's a right? john ryan rule people yeah. were pissed at john ryan when he played at notre dame because they wanted somebody better well, out there yeah not because but john ryan was doing the best that he could that's what we always said about tommy reese the quarterback oh now it's not it's not his fault that he's out there but dane christ is is not you know he's not prepared to play to the level of confidence that tommy reese did and therefore tommy reese played started how many games yeah tim to your point about Bertrand getting there and missing more tackles, I I think there's something to it. Um, and, I, and Pete kind of brought this to my attention. We do not believe Houston Griffith has had a great tackling season, right? He's had a better season than he's had. He's been in the right places. He's he's made some plays this year, but we you would not say he's been a great tackler this year, right? Do you no, know, would not. Do you know how many tackles he is dinged for on Pro Football Focus? The one that dinged Bertrand how for many missed last year? Tackles you're saying? How many missed tackles he's yeah. been dinged for? Zero. None. Prince Collie also zero which means tackles, he's not around which, the ball, right? Yeah, but it's like that's the Prince Collie zero missed tackles gets is the perfect example of Priester's point here. It's like, 
by taking a bad angle, essentially you've had it, you should be the negative tackle stat right. that right. I want to speak into existence here. Like that's right. a negative <laughs> tackle. Okay. Yeah. This has become a JD Bertrand segment and I didn't intend it to be that, but I just wanted to point that out because another defensive court, it, it, the main thing was his reaction to the questions that he didn't know <laughs> what the hell yes, I could possibly be talking about segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun here to share the leprechauns game day at Notre Dame an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. Have you ever felt uneasy signing a lease for a house or a car? You'll know a little how Arthur Guinness felt when in 1759 he signed a 9,000-year lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. He was a shrewd businessman, of course, because over 250 years later, the annual payment remains just £45. Want to find out more? Be sure you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets, and more, making Game Day Your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, Burning Up the Boards. The first question comes from Wash ND. If Tommy Reese had just been the quarterback's coach and not the OC when Marcus Freeman became head coach, would he have been retained considering his recruiting and QB development history? Uh, I, yeah, I think he would have been. I mean, he developed Ian Book in the, the, the winningest uh, starting quarterback in Notre Dame history, but he was also, I mean, he was a productive, he protected the football, he ran the ball well. Um, and recruiting, he'd, I mean, <laughs> he, he, he had gotten Tyler Buckner, uh, a highly rated quarterback. So, yeah, I think he would have stayed on as quarterback's coach. Sure. Yeah, and what he got out of Jack Cohn, I thought was also excellent. Even right. if he didn't start that way um, last season, the, it, the second half of the season was really, really good. So, yeah, it's I'm a hundred percent he would have stayed yeah. on. Like yeah. that's uh, better question wait. would be: Would he have been promoted to offensive coordinator? Mm, well, I mean, I mean, because he would have been I the mean, offensive. Co- he would have been the coordinator in the bowl game. Okay. You mean based upon the way the quarterbacks played, would he have been named coordinator? I don't know. It's a that's a very difficult question yeah. to 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 answer. I mean, yeah, and I understand that Brian Kelly elevating him to coordinator was more likely than 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 Marcus Freeman without the history of of uh, yeah. you know coaching with him. But I mean, just based upon that, I would say yeah, he certainly would have been retained as as quarterbacks, quarterbacks coach. coach. Yeah. yeah, JP Wirt seventy. Everyone is blaming Tommy Reese for the scan offense and slowing the game down to a crawl, is it possible, even likely, that the defensive-minded head coach wants the game slowed down to limit offensive mistakes and win games with his defense? Well, I, I do think he wants to try to win. Or he definitely came in the year looking to win games with his defense. Um, it's skewed a little bit, though, because he saw the talent disadvantage he had in game one, saw a path to winning, and was sticking with it. And so it just seems like that's what they're doing the whole time now, I think is the problem for Notre Dame. I think most Notre Dame fans 
most Notre Dame fans and analysts can agree that the Ohio State game plan was the way to go. Yeah, try to, no, 100%. Try to steal it at the end, you know. Yeah, I feel like that, it's it feels like Stanford. They were like, as he said, we we're feeling it out. It's a little weird now. Uh, well, I took I took his comment today as like feeling out Stanford as defense only. Um, that they came in like, all right, how's Stanford going to play this? And you know, Stanford goes down and scores, and they're like, okay, this is how Stanford's going to play this, and they kick three field goals the rest of the game. Like that was fine. Um, the Ohio State game plan made perfect sense uh, going into the game, during the game, and after the game. I don't. I think there's probably something to the ball control style of play, and yet, wouldn't that lead you to believe that you would have kicked the field goal? at the end of that drive, instead of doing a jet sweep to Jaden Thomas, if you were really going to be conservative and play ball control? Well, I think he wants to be aggressive. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, though, because you're also playing Stanford and you don't feel like you need the three, maybe, as much. Yeah, that's kind of my reaction to that, too. Um, Yeah, you did. You know, but, but like, I mean, look, you're you're running scan offense, and I'm sure, I'm sure um, Marcus Freeman didn't say, hey, let's do this. It was, it was Tommy Reese, Mm -hmm in accordance with knowing what, what Marcus Freeman wanted in terms of pace and playing to the defense a little bit more, but having said all that, you know, I mean, I totally agree with Marcus Freeman about you need to make this a little bit less complicated to open the game in the first drive and let them play because it's my understanding on that first play, there were multiple checks, the cadence, the, uh, the snap count was changed. You know, and then the, I, I realize everybody blames Jarrett Patterson. He's got to hold his water and not jump. But my goodness, it's the first first play of the game. And there's been so many changes made at the line of scrimmage that uh, it's too much. And it, it's it, it's too much. And I understand why Marcus Freeman would say, OK, let's make this a little bit less complicated to start the game, run the run the ball. But if they go three and out, then you're then you're you know, then yeah. you're in the same spot you were before. I kind of want to adjust what I was saying. Um, I'm going to look to my right here real fast. <laughs> then I'm going uh, to see you guys here on the screen. Oh, one second. Yeah, no, that's okay. Let's let's go on to the next question. That That's what it's like watching the scan offense for me. When I, wait, hold, like, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. you, you have another there's play? No, there's another check nobody coming there. in? There's nobody out there. It's fine. Jackson I, Hignite, the coaches uh, are obviously reevaluating everything, but how much is changing week to week for the players? I wouldn't think a ton. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to uh, question everything and correct problems, but like wholesale changes, I don't, uh, first of all, that'd be silly because you're, you're going against everything that you've worked on all the time that you've spent working on the things that you believe in and believe in your strengths. You're not going to make wholesale drastic changes on a weekly basis when each week is compressed as it is on the practice field. So, I mean, to answer the question in, in those terms, I don't think it's changing a whole lot week to week, but certainly as Marcus Freeman looks to, you know, find ways to solve problems, there are tweaks along tweaks along the way. Like the question I asked about playing at home and you're playing your worst opponents and you're playing poorly. If you question everything, you're certainly looking at your home game game day procedure. Right. Yeah, it's this is a little a bit of a concern for me with Marcus Freeman in year one, the sort of over reevaluation 
that seems to be happening. I think there's some. I think there's something to what you're saying there. Yes, because I mean, I think he want he wants to look at everything, but it's like by looking at everything, you don't know necessarily or have convictions about like what the problem is and you may be throwing out things that are good that maybe just didn't work for whatever reason um opposed to being able to identify problems like i realize people like to bang on brian kelly around here but like that he was very good at that part um this is the problem this is how we're going to fix it opposed to like being unable to identify the problem in the first place um, so I think this is, this is a challenge for Freeman is to be able to figure out what exactly the problem is before trying to fix it. Like, I think you could just, you could just fix stuff, but like you may be fixing things that are, aren't broken. Let the record show that Samson looked like Seinfeld saying, yes. anybody, anybody <laughs> can take a take reservation. <laughs> I saw Priester start laughing. I knew why he was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he is holding the reservation. That's the yeah. hard part. Holding. Yes change anybody right, can fix a problem it's identifying but think, the problem but, that's important no but to your point i mean tim go ahead but i mean to your point pete i i mean i think that's true on one hand you want to solve everything but on the other hand you know you were just coming off of north carolina byu so there were there wasn't there wasn't the panic that you felt coming out of marshall or yeah. certainly this week um but i i i Tim, address that because I do. I think that there's some merit to what Pete's saying. No, I agree. I, I but I think it was interesting that Marcus Freeman kind of offered, not admitted, he offered how panicked he was coming out of Marshall. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. You didn't we like that, collect, did Well, we collectively cringed at that, did we not? I mean, yeah. Honesty is not the best policy in those press conferences, <laughs> man. But I've 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 gone on enough rants about that. Yeah, Pete, I, that makes sense. Like. What did we say? The, the the main criticism we had of Marcus Freeman, and it was universal unless you're an idiot, was that he can't possibly be a better coach this year than he will be in five years. It's, it's not it's it's not, not possible. possible. It doesn't not. make sense that he wouldn't learn as a coach. Think how much he has learned right now. I don't like to keep bringing up Brian Kelly here. Brian Kelly talked about how much he learned in like year 22, and then he said it again in year 23 to you know Pete's favorite thing, 24, 25, 26. <laughs> Pete was always happy when Brian Kelly was there with the scan offense, how long he's been coaching. Yeah. So it's, I I mean, I think there's merit to what Pete's saying. Question from Tim JG nine, eight, seven last year, Notre Dame got really lucky winning a game against Florida state Toledo and Virginia tech. This seemed to be overlooked after the season is the gap between last year and this year's team, the ability to close these games. If so, does this make you optimistic? So that a better combination of more experience for Marcus Freeman and better luck mean Notre Dame can rebound next year. Teams like Notre Dame, like I, my prediction, and I'm going to hit this, by the way, there will be at least eight games where it's a one score game in the fourth quarter. It's already five. So I, I guarantee you this hits. Um, but teams like Notre Dame, many, many teams get in I hate the really lucky phrase because Notre Dame is going to have a lot of years where they're really lucky to win games, unless you're out there blowing the doors off of everybody. And I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would call it luck either. It's they out executed them. There's that word again. Yeah. I mean, Jack Cohn helped them beat Florida state Toledo at the end and Virginia tech. There's a quick one, right? Jack Cohn with his finger out of place, right? Led the drive to beat Toledo. He led the drive to beat Virginia tech after getting benched. I guess he didn't lead the drive to beat Florida state, but the 41 points didn't hurt. And, and he got Jonathan Dora in position. So 
it could come down to close games help when you have Jack Cohn over Drew Pine in his first year. But I think that might be simplifying it because the defense has been culpable in, uh, in some of those losses this year. At, at the end of the game, at the end of the game, I'm sorry. And like not closing out the end of the games. It's very hard to be quote unquote lucky with a negative turnover margin. And that's where they are right now. And so that's until they can get that figured out, which I think has way more to do with Al Golden than it does with Tommy Reese. Um, I think they're going to continue to be stuck in these games. So I don't know. It's not really sure how to look back at last year when they were a plus set plus 0.7 in turnover margin. And now they're minus one. If you took away two possessions a game, you might be a lot less lucky at a place like Virginia tech or against Toledo uh, or any of those other games that Brian Kelly seemed to win. Brian Kelly's success has nothing to do with luck at, at all. Uh, he won, he won 26 games in a row at home and, you know, so they were lucky against Navy in 2017 when they won by seven. They were lucky against Ball State and Vandy in 2018 when they pulled those out at home. They might have been lucky against Vandy. That was they great. were they were they did they did have some good fortune there. But I mean, to win to I know what you're saying. Luck. It's not luck. It, this this isn't that's a veteran coach winning football games. Um. You know, were were they lucky to beat Louisville in in 2020? I don't know. They came through with a clutch drive when they had to. Were they lucky to beat Virginia Tech at home? I don't know. You had a veteran quarterback, Ian Book, that refused to lose and led them down and scored. And scored. It's not luck. It's, I don't it's think Stanford luck. was lucky to beat Notre Dame. I think they, their veteran quarterback and their great kicker and their smart coach beat Notre Dame on the last possession that they needed to. Yeah, and they and, deserved and to yet, win, and Marshall like, deserved to win. One of eight things went differently for Notre Dame. They would have won. Yeah, yeah. And not all of those. I've had, but it's not David luck. Shaw did not make Chris Tyree miss a line. <laughs> David Shaw that didn't was, have didn't force Drew Pine to overthrow Braden Lindsay. So, well, but David Shaw kept the game close. That Drew Pine overthrowing Braden Lindsay mattered. Yeah, David Shaw overcame a talent differential against him, and did a great job coaching. And Notre Dame played into that. Question from ND Bass, 2001, halfway through the season. What has been the topic that has been most interesting and fun to cover? And what's been the most frustrating, annoying topic to cover? Fun to cover. Yeah, I don't know that anything fun is jumping uh, most out of the, at most, us right no, now. Most of the, I'd say most of the preseason was was the most fun. I mean, the off season, the off season was a breath of fresh air. So that was been the fun thing to cover was the off season. Was it? Yeah. We, that would have just been the year thirteen of Brian Kelly or whatever. And it's you know that people wouldn't have I mean, been going to going to Vegas was fun. Yes, that has been the most fun thing to cover was Las Vegas. Um, with Manhattan Beach, we'll be surpassing it soon. <laughs> most frustrating, annoying topic to cover. I guess it's got to be the in-season firing attempts of Tommy Reese from our fan base, right? Yeah, he's not going to get fired in season. I mean, yeah, I don't like. I don't yeah. anybody anybody jumping on the offense and Tommy Reese. I, I get that, but I mean, you can't expect. You should not expect for him to get fired, right? That's it's not, point, and, yeah. and and you can't say, well, if they fired Brian Van Gordon, it's not the same thing. No matter how much you want to equate it to one another it's not the same thing the offense would be rudderless 
the quarterback room would be like, you've got to be kidding me. The offensive line. Uh, I mean, yeah, the offense I, has been frustrating and annoying to cover, but it has nothing to do with firing. Tommy right. Reese, exa- yeah, no, exactly. Okay. And yeah. And I guess, you know, for me a little bit, the, the whole Bertrand thing, because I try to see the bigger picture to everything. And I mean, you can't, you can't finish 14th in the country in scoring defense when he's the most, when he had more snaps than anybody else in, in the country or on the team last year, you're not playing with 10 guys out there. He obviously is doing some good things um, that don't always show up in a box score or even with a missed tackle when he's flying to the football and is within range of the football. But I, you know, I mean, fun things during the season that mayor mayor's fun to cover this year michael mayor's uh i mean i guess we knew he was going to break these records but he's fun you to being watch. able to point out john sott as uh drive mvps on a regular basis is the one john of the sott questions one of the questions that was that was submitted that we didn't use was will john sott be in your top 10 players of the year he is right, right now, now. absolutely have, yeah. <laughs> absolutely so, uh, we have a all transfer team uh, among many all whatever teams at the athletic, but one of us all transfer team and the guy who's putting it together asked me about Brandon Joseph. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like he's not okay. <laughs> Great. And but then- it, but I was like, John Sott needs to be on there for sure. Yeah. And so they had, they actually had a discussion about who should be the all transfer punter, John Sott or Jay Bramblett, which I thought was just oh delicious. <laughs> I would say, or among the annoying things to cover, while Tommy Reese is like the runaway winner here, the criticism of the offensive line through the first two weeks and like whether Harry Heastan was over the hill and like that, that actually was quite annoying to me. That's back, by the way, if you want to dabble on messages. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete loss on that one. You guys see Jay Bramblett's tackle against Tennessee when they got I did. hosted. I home. did. Holy yep. cow, that was a nice a play. great play. The best hey, tackle the whole team made that day. One thing we know that Norton can recruit punters, man. <laughs> yeah you're right whether whether it's from the transfer portal or out of high school even without polian i think they can still get him so woge the dog would you give steve angeli a series or two this week yeah definitely once they get up by 28 points or more i'd, I'd give him a whole bunch of oh really positive that's not what he's asking you know <laughs> i mean I, I, how many times were you asked this week uh if you would have put angeli in against Stanford. And I'm like, you mean for the quarterback that was three and zero as a starter that had completed 77% of his passes and had gone on the road and been brilliant. I mean, maybe, you know, Tim, too strong, put, but really, I, I never, really good a million years would not have put him in against Stanford, but against Cal had pine started the second half, the way he started the second quarter with like another fumble after they kind of basically ran the ball out. I'd have been like, I mean, you got to look to something, fair enough. right? No, yeah. fair enough. But that didn't happen. No, it, did it didn't not. happen. And then, and then he so. put games together that were good. That was a rational conversation to have in the middle of the second quarter against Cal. Um, yes. But it's not been a rational conversation <laughs> to have at any point since, including he right was, now. Look, and, 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 and by, by playing extremely well against North Carolina and BYU doesn't eliminate the fact that he played poorly, you know, last week. But you just, you can't, you don't throw it all away without any without any idea exactly how Steve Angeli is going to play play but this this does they, come up on our board Tim every week um they've, they've asked Tom a few times and Tom has gave the same answer uh when Notre Dame gets ahead by a lot Steve Angeli will come in because that will be good for him 
but there's there's no package. It's like it's not a package thing. Like Buckner was just the disparate player of Jack Cohn. That's why the package made sense and helped. It's not like Steve. If Steve Angeli ran like Tyler Buckner, if Steve Angeli was the next Tyler Buckner, exact same skill set as last year, Tyler Buckner. I bet he would come a little in bit different story. And again, for the record, I mean, I'm, everything I hear is that that they like Steve Angeli, that he's cut, that he came in and, and did a nice job in the in the spring and did a good job in the spring game, and that he's uh, he's he's trending up. But you know, I, coaches don't give seasons away, and Marcus Freeman sure as hell isn't going to give his first season away. And they found something with Drew Pine against North Carolina in the second half against when he completed uh, 14 out of 15 against Cal and then they, you know, on the road, North Carolina, Las Vegas, they found something. And just because you lost to Stanford and fell to three and three, doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to give that all away in the second half of the season. We should skip ahead then to this question. PG okay. Dumont with nothing to lose except more games. When can we expect more freshmen and sophomores to get playing time, especially the skill positions? Uh, who else, who else should be playing? Well, Merriweather is the obvious choice. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, cer- yeah, certainly him. You want to get him on the field, but they're not giving like, CJ Williams enough snaps. <laughs> you think they would have been? Yeah, had, had he been here? I'm just like, there's. Let's like, speculate about that. I mean, Jabron Payne. No. Yeah, I don't. You're playing a lot of. You're playing young guys. I. I, uh, I mean, Stays will get some more playing. Snaps a, yeah, you're playing the young tight ends. Um, but again, you don't. You, do you know what will happen to your locker room if the seniors are being benched because it's because th- you're three and three? Let me think. Who are the so- are there sophomores we're forgetting? He did say sophomores too. Am I? Well, you know, we everybody wants to see Collie play more. I get that. I agree with that. Um, you know, Jalen Sneed's not ready, so they're they're throwing him in there now is not it's not going to be beneficial for anybody. I'd like to see if he uh, somehow finds a way on special teams um this year but you know their special teams is really good actually so maybe maybe he can't yeah. find his way on special teams because guys are doing well um you know i mean would you the running backs I, both play. you'd like to see you'd like to see rocco spindler play but it, it has to be in a non-game on the line situation which they really haven't been in yet you know actually i mean their their entire the base of their offense is sophomore skill position players logan diggs audric estime lorenzo styles and Jaden thomas and Mitchell Evans. So they have five sophomores that will play. There's no seniors on the skill. There are no seniors other than Braden Lindsay. You're okay, already so. playing. You're playing very young at corner. Yeah. Yeah. You, can, you couldn't get younger. I think Mickey and Mickey still hurt too. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Just for the sake of throwing guys out there that the, they're here. Marcus Freeman's not going to give games away and you're, you're not going to alienate the senior class. Uh, I mean, the sophomores play a lot is my point. Gabriel yeah. Rubio is now yeah. part of it. Um, yeah. The corners aren't going to play, nor should they. Uh, Josh Bryan's the third best kicker. Yeah, they're playing. They're playing young guys. I think they're doing the best they can. I, I don't think that that's an issue. Question from uh, Buzz oh seven one seven. Do you expect major changes in the program this off season, such as the ones Brian Kelly incorporated in twenty sixteen? No, I think those happened in the last off season about as major changes you can get what they did in the last off season, right? Yes. The better question is, is it intact? Is, does more than one coach change out total? 
by decree of Marcus Freeman or just, otherwise? Just more, uh, yeah, nothing to do with getting hired at a uh, coordinator okay. position or anything like that. Yeah. I say no. I, I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. I, I, mean, I said I, more I, than one because you guys both went on the other side of 50% for Reese. You know, that's why I said more than one. But yeah. yeah oh, I don't well, know. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how Marcus Freeman sees this season as it relates to the coaching staff. Yeah, it's really it's difficult for us to know that since he's never been in this situation before. We don't have any track record to to evaluate it. But but as far as like wholesale changes, the 2016 season required it. I, I don't I, I don't think that again, you're not being fair to the players. If you make four position changes and require all of those groups to start all over again with somebody different i don't know that there's enough evidence out here to say well if we change these four assistant coaches they're going to be better off i i you know what i'm saying no i'm with you i don't think there'll be many changes i think there'll be fewer changes this off season than any in the next five how's that, that that's Marcus Freeman yeah that's fair. all five yep. yeah because like a guy like when i was hesitating i was thinking about Dylan mccullough i mean he would like he would like an opportunity whether it's a coordinator or you know, I don't know something back in the NFL. I, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I wouldn't anticipate wholesale changes because I don't, it, I don't think it would be fair to the assistant coaches. I don't think that you would have an accurate evaluation from which to judge it and would be unfair to the, the players once again, especially if you, well, they're not going to, they're not going to change defensive coordinators. I mean, imagine if they brought in another defensive coordinator because they're not doing well on third down this year. I, you know, that would be, that would be really unfair to the players. Next question from CA Vic or Kavik. Do you think Nano Safamensa will be considered for the weak side position next year? Uh, I interviewed Osafa Mensa. I asked him about coming back next year and he said he wanted to. And I said, how about, how about two years? And he's like, well, I don't know about that yet. <laughs> I thought I'd throw it out there, see if he reacted to that. But um, you know, I don't, he, the first thing he mentioned as to what he needs to improve upon is pass rush. I'm not sure that he's a, that he's a Viper yep. type pass rusher, uh, but man, they don't have a lot of answers there moving forward after this year. So I don't know. I would imagine, would he be considered for it? Possibly, but I'm not sure that that is a fit, but a lot of fit depends upon the rest of your personnel to, to vie for a spot at Viper. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the answer to this one. I just know that after last week and, and really, I think this season, I think he's a value add for next year's team opposed to just like a guy on the roster, filling out a position. Um, like he's really played well the last two the edge games. against the run. Yeah. Like, He's he's a, a help for Notre Dame in 2023. He played his decision making against Stanford was like a veteran player, like you expect of a guy that has been a two or three year starter. He set the edge so well against Stanford that he made plays for other guys. He was credited with three tackles, which tells you nothing. He set the edge so well that it forced everything back inside on numerous numerous occasions he did a really really nice job and the interview with him was just i was blown away by him i thought he was great yeah i guarantee you he cross trains in the spring <laughs> to be fair to this question and that it does not take and he stays at the strong side where he plays really well i think that's i, I there's no reason not to cross train him in the spring right you're, you're going with yeah, freshmen no, def and definitely freshmen, so yeah certainly definitely, definitely. Can, I ask, can i bring this up and i want to bring it up to golden i know foskey played 52 snaps did you know he wasn't in 
when they're trying to stop Stanford from driving down for those game-winning field goal? Like, what? On third and seven, when they call timeout, he's not in. What? What is the? I don't understand that situation. Now, now Nana and Justin Adamiola were in, who played better football during the game. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Maybe but, they're just flat out playing better football. I know, but doesn't he get to the quarterback better in that situation? <laughs> you would think. You would think. The same thing I, happened I, at the end of the BYU game when BYU was coming back. Yeah. Bosky was on the bench, which I was like, "That's weird." It's going to be then, impossible to get an answer, but we have to ask this question next week. Yeah, but that's a question that absolutely has to be asked. Yeah, well, if they, if they lose, they're really not going to get an answer. But Dashing Domer, I don't believe that a message board acting badly goes unnoticed by players, coaches, administrators, parents, and recruits. Are we a tree falling in the forest, or does what we do matter? I don't know if our message board resonates with anybody in, in the it's football an arduous department. offense. It has to resonate with Coach Reed. <laughs> used our term. Well, it... it it uh, it didn't resonate with Golden as it pertained to evaluating JD Bertrand. So, uh, I so I I don't think it's our message board per se, but I think that the the gathering of negativity that surrounds any college, not just Notre Dame when they're struggling, any major college football program, I think it's it's would be virtually impossible for that tone and that attitude and that opinion not to seep into the lives of the players in some, some form. The alternative is apathy, which is way worse than negativity. So I think this is, if you're at Notre Dame, this is, this is what you signed up for. You'd have to take the bad with the good. Um, I'm not saying that some of the commentary on social media or message boards is appropriate or warranted or even logical. Um, but if you're at Notre Dame, you have to know that that kind of stuff exists and figure out a way to process it more than once. They've referenced how I wouldn't take it. Or I wouldn't take someone's opinion whose advice I wouldn't take. I think that's right. how they phrase it. Yeah, that's what Merriweather right. said. Yeah, yes, Merriweather um, said that yesterday. Yeah, I remember Ian Book saying that in 2019. Um, I think that sort of approach would serve you well. Um, but yeah, it's like the whole like, real fan yada yada debate i think it's just this is just what it is people get upset i think it's easier said than done to say oh yeah you know i i'm only going to take the opinion of or listen to somebody whose opinion i value i think it's i you know i i don't know what students are like but if students are a reflection of today's society it's probably am, not too kind at times. I have never heard of Notre Dame students acting like bad fans to Notre Dame's football players ever. But like the big, the vast majority of like, like it's bad on campus for football players. I think they're just, they're in a different, I mean, my, my senior year went from the 93 team to the 94 team. That's as, that's a big difference as you can get. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody thought, thought, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, I'm not saying it's playing football for your school. I don't, I yeah, just don't I'm not saying like that, that it's blatant, you know, in your face attacking somebody verbally, yeah. but I, but I also think that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a negative environment when you, when you're three and three. And again, I just, I don't, I don't know how to explain exactly how that information gets to them, but I would be so surprised if it didn't, though I think I, the word I used yeah. was seep. It's on their you know, phone into their consciousness. Yeah. Like 
That information is in their pocket at well, all that, times. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you choose to if you choose to look at Twitter, how can you not see negativity directed toward them? That's why I say I don't know that it's necessarily our message board, because that would mean that the players are going to that. And I doubt that very, very much. But there's plenty of social media out there from people that are telling them they suck. So Yeah, well, I was going to say, if you're on Twitter, you're going to hear the bad. Yeah. I wake up every morning and uh, start my day with a bad mood by looking at Twitter. I mean, how can Don't you do it? Stay up. How yeah. can you Just do Wordle instead? Do start a new I routine. Do, I do try to slip Wordle in at certain points of the day, but it's usually not at the at start of the day. Uh, okay. Last question before we go to predictions from Irish fan seven, six, one Nordame needs three more wins to be bowl eligible. I still have faith that Nordame can win all of the remaining games, although not likely please predict the last six games. I feel Navy is a little scarier because of our run uh, and run defense and third down defense. Navy's scary for Notre Dame if they're not focused and good. They, they should be able to beat Navy, but I do not disagree that Navy is not a absolute 100% guaranteed victory. I think UNLV is a guaranteed victory. As guaranteed as you can get after losing to Marshall, right? That this... I can't imagine, I cannot conceive being in the press box if they lose to UNLV, whereas I can imagine being in Baltimore and looking and being like, oh my gosh, in the fourth quarter, because I've seen Navy do it before, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm going to make a prediction. <laughs> Nordane will not finish worse than seven and five. I don't even know the record is right now. They're three and three, so they go. Four, they're going to go four and two. So they're going to get. They're. You're saying they're going to get Syracuse, Clemson, or USC. One of them at a minimum. Yes. Okay. Now and but I'm not. I'm not ruling out. I mean, I'm not Lost saying one of the other two. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's de- that definitely will come against Syracuse and not against the other two. First right. of all, that's fair. That is. Yeah, again, Clemson is down. It's still down the road. It, it's it's in our it's in our view, but it's still down the road. And predicting USC is very difficult right now. Is that I mean, I, you know, I see what USC is doing offensively. I also see what they're doing defensively. And I'm not ruling out the fact that Notre Dame's offense could be in a much better shape six games from now than it is right now. It's not going to be explosive. It's probably not going to be high tempo. I realize that. Pete, four but and two or I, worse? I, I, worse. I think they'll go six and six. It's a real and you, O'Malley? This is such a tough. And I've been, I, the one that, I've been the one that's been talking about winning it, how difficult it's going to be winning at Syracuse for the last month. Yeah, no, me too, Sean. So I, mean, I, so I get problem. that. Notre Dame's a one-point favorite right now on that live line. Um I agree with Pete. I think they'll go three and three. Fair enough. And Fair I enough. have to be Let's like, it's, it's a twist my arm to pick either one of those things. I'd like to yeah. pick something in between, but I can't. And you know how much I'd like to open myself up to criticism. And so I just did that. So let's see what happens with that predictions. This will not be one of the three. No, this is, this is one. Well, it is one of the three. It's yeah, just like sure. the, the good three. Um, I think, if UNL, even if UNLV was at full strength, I would like Notre Dame to comfortably win. The fact that UNLV is completely fallen apart from where they were at the beginning of the season due to injury. I think, I mean, Notre Dame could go out and play a D plus game and win by 17 points. Um, offensively, I am 
shocked about how bad they are in the first quarter. You know what they're averaging yards per play in the first quarter is this season? Is it negative? No, it's not <laughs> negative. <laughs> no, I, it was 1.5. Oh, no, that was a different thing. Sorry, go ahead. It's 3.71, which over the course of the season would make them the worst offense in college football and the sixth worst offense in the last 10 years in college football. I just... I feel like that's going to even out at some point, probably will yeah. even out this weekend. So I think Notre Dame will score not one, but two touchdowns in the first quarter and they will win going away 42 to 10. I think the most important thing you said, Pete, is if they can play a D plus game and win by 17, because if they do that, it's going to get ugly. And Tim Priester, you'll be wrong about four and two. If they play a D plus <laughs> game against UNLV, it doesn't there nothing's getting it's not getting much better than that. I do not believe that they're going to play a D plus game. I don't either. I think they will play UNLV. well. <laughs> um the line is now 27 up from 24. I'm sure that has some Brumfield connotation to it, people that know things. Um, I think the I think the over under might have slid down a touch as well. Last I saw was I mean, that has to be a reflection of, of Brumfield and and Robbins too. I mean, without Robbins. I don't really know. They've got without Robbins, they've got a little tiny running back that I haven't seen do anything really impressive. I'm in blowout zone too, but I'll keep it under 40 just because it's I watched the game last week. So I'm <laughs> gonna go with 38 to 10 Notre Dame. I'll keep it under 40 because I watched the games. <laughs> I mean, goodness <laughs> sakes. Do you see that? It's gonna take think of it this way. It takes 23 seconds to get every snap off. So there goes some time in the game. You're out of, you're out of luck. Well, maybe you're right. Think about it, Pete. Look right. Check with somebody in the house. Right. Look out the, the window. Right. Look out Sorry. the other way. Make sure. Sorry. It's mirrored, so you don't know which way I'm looking. Is there anything worse than watching a game where one team takes that long to snap and the other one does the slow mesh? Yeah, Ooh. well, and, 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 and thus a 16 to 14 oh, football game. God. Yeah. Well, uh, I will have my prediction in the preview, the extensive preview on Friday called Fighting Irish Preview. And uh, O'Malley and I will join you from Notre Dame Stadium, a raucous Notre Dame Stadium oh this God. weekend, no doubt. We're, we're your only very, conduit to the world. It's on, it's on yeah, Peacock. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see what the uh, level of enthusiasm in Notre Dame Stadium is this weekend. Until then, for... Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.